And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics' dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Aaron Portsign with you on a rainy day here in Raleigh. I'll not complain, though, because it's in the 50s, 54. Uh, Blue Jackets against the Hurricanes tonight. Uh, joined, I am via Skype by Allison Lucan. Hello. And the great Tom Reed. Good day. Uh, we're all here. Uh Interesting times in Blue Jackets lands. The Blue Jackets have two all-stars. And now you could be thinking, wow, they could have, they could easily have had a couple more. It is really hard. Uh, it's almost impossible to get three all-stars the way that the league sets it up right now. But the Blue Jackets get two in. Seth Jones, Cam Atkinson, this will be number three for Jones. It'll be the second game he's played. And he missed. he was nominated or selected last year, but missed it with the flu. Uh, he joked about that today that he's already on the emergency. Uh, I'm sorry, the emergency that sea uh, boost uh, to help fight off any sort of issues. Uh, this is this is forgive me here two for Atkinson. It is yes, his second as well. So these Blue Jackets are growing up uh, right in front of us. The, the Seth Jones selection comes at a really interesting time, and Allison wrote an interesting piece. Uh, today on him. It's almost three years exactly since his trade from Nashville to Columbus. Straight up for Ryan Johansson. Um, and I I think it's a, tra- I know it's a trade the Blue Jackets would do again. Uh, I think Nashville probably would too because of what Johansson gives them down the middle. But Jones has just been as good as everybody thought he was going to be. I think he has uh, yet still managed to be 
a revelation here in Columbus, just with his, just A, the raw athleticism, but also the cerebral style of play that he has. He is such a gifted player. He's still a young man, only going to get better. Um, Allison, tell us what you what you wrote today and just sort of break it down, the, the three-year look at, at this young man and what he's been able to accomplish in Columbus. <laughs> yeah, it was a... Uh... It was funny. I had kind of had the date circled on my calendar as a as a good time to talk about Seth. I don't know that we talk about him as much. Uh, Torts even said yesterday. He said even when he's having an off game, it's still so good that you may not notice he's right. off. Um, right. We take him for granted almost as, as a player. But um, it, not that anyone needs to know this per se. But you know, sometimes I try and go into these articles blind, like just see what I'm going to find out about a player. And I started with the voices from the room and I mean, talk about unnecessarily provoked, effusive praise for this guy. I mean, just description over description of, I I can't pick one thing that's great about him. It's everything. He's just so talented. He's elite. He's a game changer. He takes over a game. Guys were just talk forever. And, and to your point, really a lot of unprovoked emphasis on his leadership as well and what he's brought to the culture change of this team. But what surprised me first was just how solidly he has performed, particularly offensively for this team in just three years. Um, I was shocked, honestly, to, and you know, it's a younger franchise, of course, but shocked to see where he's positioned himself offensively. But then I said, you know, it's it's fair for people to say you're tooting a team's horn if it's just relative within a team. It, I, again, I, I tried not to see what I thought would happen, but I pulled some categories across the league from the exact three years that Seth has worn a Blue Jackets jersey. And I mean, he ranks pretty high up there with defensemen in the league who've been playing in this same span. And to me, it, it certainly lends credence to the argument that many, including Yarmo Kekalainen and John Tortorella have, have offered up to say, this guy deserves to be in the Norris conversation. This is not a Homer argument per se, but you know, I did a really unscientific thing, but we had 15 categories and the person who was in named in the most in terms of being in the top 20 in that measure was Brent Burns. He was in 12. Seth Jones was in 11. So, (laughs) you know, it's, it is really quite incredible when you isolate what he can do and how that has really snowballed for what he's bringing to this team overall. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people last year um, felt that he should have been given more of a more of a look at the Norse. He was a finalist, which is I mean, if you look at some of the defensemen around this league to be in that collection of players is an incredible honor just in, in itself. Um, I think. Even within that, people thought he deserved more consideration for the Norris. Yeah. Um, right. But for me, and 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 that's fair. That that's there's there was an argument to be made. I think that was a really important year for him because before you you have to elevate into that conversation before you can win that trophy. Because no matter no matter how how much work people put into it, it is in it is largely a yes your season matters. It's also a body of work trophy. For sure. Like Notre Dame and the college football rankings. They're always ranked every year because they're Notre Dame. They <laughs> right. can start 0-3 and they're out. But they, they just have this reputation built up. You're just right there no matter what your season is. It's incredible that, that Jones has been able to create that, again, with all the players out there, with no playoff run. Because that's where that's where player reputations are built. And I know the Norris Trophy and all that voting isn't done based upon the playoffs, but reputations are built in the playoffs. 
Right. And the Blue Jackets haven't had a run. Tom, we've talked about this, I think, not not recently, but certainly in the past. That That's where players create their name. Just how impressed are you that Seth Jones is who he is and, and that he's been able to sort of generate attention on a on a team that's been that's made the playoffs, yeah, but has been out really quickly. No, without question. You know, Allison and I have talked a little bit about this over the last couple of days. We were talking about can you think of a play or a type of thing that really kind of defines him? And I said no, because I think, and maybe that's the the best compliment I can give him because he reminds me of a guy like Nicholas Lidstrom, who, when you think of what he does well, he did everything well. It was funny, Torts and I got into this conversation yesterday. I think Torts misunderstood me saying that Lidstrom isn't a good player. And I'm like, no, no, no. No, I'm saying that he's a really good player and he does everything well. Um, and I think, you know, to, to me, the, the, the best compliment a coach can give a, a player is not words. It's ice time. You look yeah. at, at his ice time. Remember, first of all, I can remember the, his first full season. Aaron, you and I were talking about He's like averaging almost 24 minutes a game. He was playing 23-24. That was 26th in the league. Yeah. Last year, 24-36. 14th in the league. This year, 26-16. That's third in the league. He's playing almost half a game. Right. I mean, to me, that is amazing jump. Yeah. And he reminds me, I was trying to think today after reading Allison's piece, who he reminds me of currently in the game. And again, as a player that nothing stands out because he does everything well. And I keep coming back to the guy who's who leads that ice time every year, Drew Doughty. Yeah. Not the same player, but when you think of Drew Doughty, like nothing necessarily jumps out. Nothing says, wow, he does this. He does that really well. He does everything well. Yeah. He's everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And that's who I, he maybe reminds me of as much as anybody. Well, th- this is the ultimate compliment. Um, I, Doughty has that... Um, Doughty had. There are times in the game where you go, "Whoa, Drew Doughty," where he's where he is almost maniacal in his in his puck carrying and hitting guys if he doesn't feel like the energy levels there. Jones Jones has a Lidstrom quality about him to me, where yes. there is a quietness and a posture and a presence about him. And 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 the one thing I was like, there are games when you used to play when the Blue Jackets would play the Red Wings. Where frankly you're looking, you're looking for something to pay attention to because the games didn't used to be com- competitive at all. Um, but you would watch, I would watch, I would just isolate on Lidstrom, and you would notice situations that if that's if that's most other defensemen, any other defenseman, that's the situation. But he just unplugged situations before they even started. Little moves, little touch passes, his his positioning. All that sort of stuff. And I think Jones does that, too, which is maybe why as much credit as he gets, he doesn't get that effusive Eric Carlson. Oh, my what? God, look at him skating. Look at Brett Burns' shot. Right. Jo- Jones is just – there is a presence about that young man, and he's still really young. And it, it's it's enthralling to wonder where this might go. And you ever you ever notice, like, we always, we always, we always laugh about Sykes. And this is not a criticism. This is – like David Savard making these great plays in the crease. Oh my yeah. God, what a he came out of nowhere to block that shot. Seth Jones doesn't have those plays because he's always in the right spot. Right. You know, he, he does block a lot of shots. And of course the the game has changed because stick checks are so I mean Eric Eric Carlson is a couple of years ago led the league, I think, in block shots, and they were probably seventy five percent stick checks. 
but that's fine. It, but it, it, to, it, to me, it speaks to someone who's always in position. I think he is, he does not get enough credit for him, his defensive game. No. He's always in position. He's yes. not, like you mentioned, Dowdy, sometimes when Dowdy thinks the game's not going the right way, he'll blow somebody up. Seth doesn't necessarily do that. But yeah. he's just always, always right. Remember, again, it reminds me of Dowdy. Hopefully, for Blue Jackets fans, he can start winning like Dowdy because he's one of the serial winners in our game. Well, and yeah. I think it. I think this too, and we've talked about this in brushstrokes before, and, and Seth even said it to me when I asked him about it. I said, you know, do you feel like you were part of changing how this team played defensively? And he said, well, the whole league is changing how they're playing defensively. And I think so often we talk about mobile defensemen, we talk about what they're doing offensively, but uh, our colleague in Pittsburgh, Jesse Marshoff, wrote a piece earlier this year, and I talked about it too in my piece about Ryan Murray. The job of a defenseman isn't just to stop offense against, it's to turn the ice around and get the puck going the other way. And I think that's part of this too, is that Seth is so strong and so efficient and so composed in saying, "Uh uh-uh, no offense for you, here goes the puck the other way that that's part of why we don't notice that shutdown side as much either, right? Because we're already focused on the offense going right. the other way. And, right. and and yes, it's about mobile defensive defensemen. Yes, it's about offensive defensemen. But what's really going to make, in my opinion, the modern day defensemen in terms of the best players there is not just prohibit offense against, but really actively be part of creating all the way from the back end forward. It's that engine that Torts has been talking about, quite frankly, ever since Seth got here. And this is going to sound silly, but some of my oh my god moments with Seth Jones have have been fairly inconsequential moments where totally, yeah, totally. He's on the he's on the left side of the high slot, so in other words, the net is shaded off to his right. He's near the blue line. The puck wraps around. And he goes straight, straight line across the blue line and lunges forward with the stick to keep the puck in the zone. And I can think of two or three of those. And I remember exactly the opponent, obviously not the date, but where I, where your jaw comes out, you're like, oh, my God. And, and there are very few athletes in in the world of great athletes that can elevate and make you say, oh, my God, on a on a regular basis. But he is. He is one of them. We're no spoiled. Question. We're spoiled in this division. I mean, three of the, I think, three of the best defensemen. Well, Tang, obviously, was injured the last couple of years, but he's having a great year this year. And John Carlson, I yep. mean, is just fantastic. Just, I don't yep. think he ever gets enough credit for as good as he is. Uh, yeah, it's it's a great group of, of defensemen. You know, the one thing, uh, the one thing that hurts Seth, and this is not necessarily a criticism, is Seth. He has three points on the power play. Right. But the power play is just, Great. you know, killing. That's crazy for a guy that good to have three points in the power play. But it, I guess it does. I think Allison mentioned today. How, did you say only three players have more than one power play goal? <laughs> uh, only three players, let me confirm it, as have more <laughs> than one power play goal right now for the Jackets. That's crazy. Yeah. The power play is an like, abomination. Yeah. Yeah. And just think if, if, if they were just doing half that, you know, just doing yeah. slightly better what Seth's numbers would look like. Yeah. And, that, and that's not on his fault. No. And, and there, there's not one other there's one other tidbit on, on Seth that I wanted to share that didn't find its way into the article. But I asked, you know, we, it was it was 
for those of us who followed this team for a while to think back to that when that trade went down three years ago was such a different time. And and I asked Zach Wierenski because he was still at Michigan. And I said, do you remember that trade? I mean, you weren't actively with the organization yet. You were drafted, but you're playing college hockey. And, and Zach said, I noticed it right away. And he said, he, he laughed a little bit. He said, I hope that someday maybe I could play with a player like Seth Jones. And, you know, to hear that from a, a player as talented as Zach Wierenski, who, again, was one right. of those voices just praising this guy. And and Seth and I were laughing. Seth's like, you know, I feel kind of like a veteran. I mean, I'm not a veteran. I'm like, Seth, you're 24. <laughs> but, you know, this guy has a body of work that, I, I mean, it's it's crazy to think what it's going to become. Well, and he is he is a young veteran. Mm-hmm. I mean, he could be a few, you know, depending on what one, how long Nick stays here, you know, and certainly he's done a great job. I mean, he he's a future captain. I think I no think question. it's easy to say no Seth question. Jones future captain somewhere no along the line, either here or somewhere else. Yeah. Well, how many games has he played? I mean, he is twenty four, but is he six seasons? Uh, God, this is his. Tonight is tonight will be his 426th game. Exactly. I mean, holy smokes! Yeah. So, uh, so he's in the All Star game. Cam Atkinson is in the All Star game. Atkinson, of course, part of the, the Blue Jackets top line with with uh, Artemi Panarin, Pierre Luc Dubois, that has really carried the Blue Jackets offensively. Uh, Tortorella was on about um, the Blue Jackets' desperate need for secondary scoring. How a lot of those guys have dried up. Uh, Boone Jenner's line uh, has changed a bit with with uh, Felino away from the team. He will not. Nick Felino will not be part of the game tonight. Don't know about tomorrow in Florida, uh, but he will not be here in Raleigh tonight with the Blue Jackets. Duclair has dried up after a fast start goal wise, and part of it he's, he wasn't in the lineup for a number of games. We've we've talked at length about Wenberg, um, his struggles. Uh, Tortorella today saying, you know, what about Josh Anderson? I can't find Andy right now. Right. Like there's a lot of guys on this team that have really has sort of faded um, and they're winning games. Sure. Uh, but I think there is a general consensus that they they absolutely have to get more consistent scoring uh, from lines two, three, four, and really from their defense as well. And yes, that abomination of a power play needs to start adding uh, some stuff here, too. But what are your guys thoughts on I mean, this is kind of the team we expected in terms of the lack of secondary scoring. Is that fair, Tom? Yeah, I think so. And it's for the, for a long time, we, I, uh, Allison and I talked to Torch about this yesterday. Uh, this, this subject was raised and, I, and he's talking about how he's in the, on this campaign, not campaign, but I think reporters were asking was, is that top line among the best in the league? And he was saying, he was saying, yes, it is. And that, but there's also been times I thought about breaking it up. Then we, it's just like the coaches have to make hard decisions during the course of games. And that led me to ask, was it difficult to take, a, to take apart that Jenner, Felino, and Anderson line, which had right. gone for so that really was the secondary st- scoring, right? For the long yeah. until they kind of, their points kind of dried up. And it's like, he's trying to find that right mix. And, you know, the name we dance around all the time here is Alexander Wenberg. You know, if they could get a little bit more consistency from Alexander Wenberg leading the line, that would, would help out tremendously because you're just not going to get it probably from the bottom of the lineup with any kind of consistency. We had some, you know, there was times where Marcus Hanekonen was chipping in a few things. You know, Riley Nash, I mean, oh, my goodness. 
you know, he was brought in here to be a third liner, maybe move up in the lineup sometimes the way he did in Boston. That's not happened. Uh, but it, it does fall back to the Felino and Anderson guys and, and maybe Jenner. And it would not surprise me at some point if that line goes back together again, if only out of necessity. Right. And then we have to start thinking, like, what happens if the Blue Jackets move Panarin at the trade deadline? I mean, then what? Someone else obviously moves up to the first line. Maybe playing with Dubois and Atkinson helps them, but this team is going to need a boost. I, I keep I keep wondering this, like, does this team, do you, do you guys feel like this team sees itself at, at, with a desperate need to get ahead of Washington and Pittsburgh? Or do you do you sense a a um, desperation and an urgency on their part to get better, better, better? Or do you think, because sometimes to me, it just feels like they think the passage of time is going to allow that. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, I, I totally do. And I, I, my answer, if this makes sense, is that I don't sense it. And I don't know that we have to sense it, but I wish we did. If yeah. that makes sense. Um, because, you, on one hand, you like the confidence of saying we are a good competitive contender, right? That there's not a sense of wannabe-ness or it, it's that whole we hope we win versus we know we'll win element, right? right. But at the yeah. same time, they have not yet cemented a spot like Washington has or like Pittsburgh has in the no. bigger conversation. And so, I, I again, maybe it's... I long term, maybe you don't want to see it. Maybe you do ultimately long term want to see a team like Pittsburgh that just says, yeah, we know we'll be there when, when the season's over. But mm-hmm. I'd like to see some of it now from this group. Some of it's some of that fire. I think it it was epitomized in that game against Washington at home. Right. When Oof. we, we kind of hoped for this big burst of an amazing competitive 60 minutes. And that that's not what we saw at all at all. Tom, what's this? What's this team standing? At? I mean, well, I guess none of this is settled until the playoffs. Can't be. But I, do you have you have you seen anything with this club that makes you think that, as presently constructed, that they're that they're going to dance past Washington or Pittsburgh and or and or Pittsburgh in the first two rounds? No, no, exactly. And they're just. Uh... You know, I, I, to go back to your earlier point, I would think that they, they trade Panarin. They would probably have to, being mindful of staying in the playoff race and making the playoffs for a third straight year, you'd have to think they would add something yes. on the wing there, right? So Agreed. Um, but no, no, I, I, don't, I don't see that. I mean, Washington is Washington has been building their way up. Again, we, ad nauseum, he looked just right down the middle of the ice. I mean, right. they're terrific. Their power play is just on another planet. And so right now, so is the Penguins' power play. I think they're like something crazy, like 11 of their last 13. Stupid. Uh, yeah. and, and as we, as you especially mentioned a month ago when we were saying, oh, they just don't look that great. But we all knew they were going to eventually come around. And it's just come a, a, a month earlier. Uh, they, they're terrific. They've, they look really good. Matt Murray's starting to look, kind of look like the goalie that backstopped two Stanley Cups. Uh, and let, let's just be honest. They just have so much more frontline talent. I mean, that's, I mean, we can talk, we can talk to our blue in the face about, you know, if they could do this or the blues can do that. They just don't have those players. And I'm not saying that who knows, we don't know what's going to happen between now and the trade deadline or injuries that could impact if there's no Sidney Crosby in a series, but just 
everything being equal right now, I still think the Blue Jackets are the third best team in the division. And boy, here come the Islanders. I'll give you a segue to your, your next segment with uh, Barry Trotz. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, we talked about this. Trotz, is, Trotz has been making chicken salad out of chicken <laughs> for a number of years. And this team is not. I mean, yes, certainly Jonathan Tavares left. But this reminds me of those Nashville teams that Trotz had where just nobody nobody thinks that they that they are going to be able to to compete in the wild woolly division they're in. But those Nashville teams always played above their head. This Islanders team is playing above their head. That's what Barry Trotz does. Yes, he won the cup last year with a great team, but I think his legacy is turning uh, these these teams into these really hyper competitive teams. And we're seeing it with the Islanders. These the top four teams in the Metro Columbus, Pittsburgh, Washington, Islanders. 30 wins, six losses, one overtime loss since December 13. And they're starting to pull away from the bottom four teams in the league. Um, and, I mean, it's wild. Columbus is we're, – we're talking about them, about how, how they're not very good. How they're this, how they're that. So, like, 7-1 and one or 7-1-1 right. and one in the last nine. Right. Yeah, um, let's, 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 you know, third in the Metro <laughs> Division in a division that's won the last three Stanley Cups is still pretty damn good. Yes. Let's 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 add some context to that. Yes. But it I mean, what what has I think the Blue Jackets have lost a place in the standings. Correct. Going going seven, one and one in their last nine. Correct. Chew on that a bit. I, I think what we've seen now is that this is a four. And I don't know if this division gets four teams in. I mean, that's that's the question. Does the Atlanta carry the day with five? So is it? Do, does Columbus suddenly need to start worrying about the Islanders and only the Islanders in terms of getting in? I, I, I think things are starting to come into focus. We're not even halfway through the season yet, but it sure looks like the Islanders are going to separate from uh, Rangers, Devils, Carolina, and Philly. Agreed? Yes. yes. Yeah. And so what's your, if you're the Blue Jackets, what's the one team in the, do you, are you still big game hunting and trying to, to win the Metro, trying to, get second place or do you just are you worried mostly about just staying ahead of the islanders because i think you're a point up now i think unless you win the metro um the second or third to me second or third is immaterial because you're going to get one of those other teams and they're going to be really tough (laughs) again we don't know what their lineups are going to look like but if if we're just saying everything equal right now yeah, there's certainly an advantage to winning the division if you can get there because you're then you're not going to probably get either Washington or Pittsburgh or right. to me the 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 Stanley Cup favorites Tampa Bay. Right. Uh, so anything beyond that, I think those are all those other teams, uh, and you're not going to face Toronto because Toronto's going to finish second. All those other teams are winnable series to me, and not saying that you could you know I'm still not saying you can't beat Pittsburgh or Washington. But I think by winning the division, there's certainly something to be certainly said for that. Having said that, they didn't win in a playoff game at home the entire playoffs last year. Oh no, I'm not talking. No, 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 no. I'm not. I don't give. I don't give a crap about home ice advantage. I think that's <laughs> always been overrated in hockey. It's, it's incredibly overrated. Uh, and the Blue Jackets, of course, have shown that. No, I'm talking about the matchup. Yeah. I'm talking about if you're getting Buffalo or you know, who would they? So if, if they if they won the division, they would get the seventh seed or the eighth seed. Uh, it depends, so, but they would they would get it. They would possibly get a team outside of their division of four teams from the Metro. Right. Domain. So you're, you, I would take my chances with a Buffalo or a Boston 
more so than than getting Pittsburgh or or uh, a Tampa. Or, I'm sorry, a Washington. Washington. So that's so you're saying go win the division. Coming from there, I don't give a crap about home ice advantage. I mean, you got to got to be able to win on the road in the playoffs. I mean, that's that's silly. Yeah, uh, it's an interesting times in the Metro. Uh, Blue Jackets, Carolina tonight. Uh, Blue Jackets at Miami to, or Miami. Miami. Tomorrow, the, the Florida Sunrise Panthers tomorrow. And then they wrap up the road trip in Tampa uh, on Tuesday. So then that game, that game should be awesome. The Blue Jackets will be off Sunday. They'll have a good hard practice on Monday and be ready to rock and roll on Tuesday. I, I'm sure they're going to look at that game. Mm-hmm. Columbus will anyways as a measuring stick. Because that's a really good team. Yeah. And really one, that, team. one that put it to them the last time they were in that building, too. That's right. I think they're the best team in the league. Um, we'll, we'll see how that all plays out. But right now, to me, I've seen them seven, eight times this year. And they're, they're just by far the best team in the league for me. 16-game yeah, awesome. point streak for them right now. Insane. She, Insane. It, well, it's got funny, it's though, got to, to look right? at the Blue Jackets and see them. Uh, the NHL put that list out. I, I, Allison, I don't know if you're referencing that. And there's Columbus, the 16-17 season. Yep. Right there. 108 so, points. Yep. Yeah, just for the, yeah, it's, it's, uh, there, yeah, it's, it's pretty, and I think it was back to what, 2007, 2008 was the thing that the NHL put out today, and Columbus is right there, number two, or number two, or number three, whatever it was. Crazy. All right, guys, anything else we need to get to on this rainy, gorgeous day in Raleigh? Um, I'll just, I think t- you- oh, go ahead, Tom. No, I just thank you for taking that trip. I just. Uh, oh, my God. Oh, thank goodness. I mean, I have to you occasionally are. take St. Louis and the Islanders, and you should be able to have to occasionally bite the bullet and take that Carolina. So weird. Swing. Completely weird. Completely yeah. weird. Uh, on, on a normal person thinking note, not Tom's please, note. Please. Um, a, a shout out to both Buckeye hockey teams. Uh, the men jump back into the second half of their season. Um, and it's all Big Ten from here on out. They start on the road at Michigan State this weekend. Um, the, these are the games that matter. They have worked their way into a really good spot standing-wise. And, and these are now the make-or-break games. So it's going to be some exciting times there. I'd say follow that schedule. They'll be home next weekend against Michigan. Um, and then the women have a little bit of a tune-up uh, this weekend. Two exhibition games against the NWHL's Minnesota Whitecaps. Uh, so those uh-huh. are... That, that's kind of fun to see a professional team come in and play these women, and this will warm them up before they jump into the second half of their season starting next weekend. So um, it's crunch time for two teams that want to make it back to the Frozen Four this year and really cement themselves as as long-standing, good-quality hockey programs in the NCAA. So uh, should be interesting to follow. Allison, the men are ranked seventh in one poll. Is that correct? Well, they are ranked seventh in one poll, but that poll has not been run since December 21st. <laughs> so, But how many games um, have been played since then? Well, there have been some. I mean, there have been enough that I think a second poll should have been run to start the year. Um, okay. They're fourth in the USA Today poll. Um, and then in pairwise standings, which is what ultimately ends up mattering if you don't win the division, um, I, I think they're also fourth. So, um, What about Gallup? What about who? Gallup. Oh, Tom. <laughs> What about the Iowa State-Washington Post poll? Oh, my goodness. Listen, I don't make the rules. This is just how college oh, hockey works. <laughs> what about the women? The women were ranked highly as well. Where are they at? I'm ignoring you, Tom. Um, they're, I think they're also they're 
fourth? Or, well, and that's part of the problem too, is their poll was running and they yeah, had a, so they dropped even by not playing. Let me see here. The last they played was December 16th and they were uh, that weekend and they were eighth at the time. But again, I, I'd okay. wait for meaning to come after, after this weekend's slate of games. Sure. Yeah. But both national powers. Indeed. Sure. Indeed. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, watching those post-game videos. We'll try another one tonight uh, here from the PNC Arena. And thanks for reading all of our articles. Thanks for subscribing, certainly. Hope you had, had wonderful holidays. And we'll talk to you again on Tuesday. Thanks so much. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.